Yes, Hashem does indeed love us. We just listened from Shevis Achim, one of my favorite songs, quite up a beat and really says a lot about the way a Jew should feel um, all the time, that Hashem does in, in fact love us as a loving father and just as a parent will look after a child um, with, with, with all the love and attention that, it, that one can afford, the child. So too, Hashem watches each and every single one of us on a daily basis in everything that we do and everything that He does do. He does, He does for us. It is for the good. Sometimes, uh, we will not see that good. Sometimes it will look as if it is on the surface bad. Um, and not even on the surface. Maybe you'll get really mad at me for using that, but it appears bad. It manifests itself as what we would consider bad. One must know that even that comes from Hashem. And there could be a number of reasons why we are experiencing um, that negativity right now. And uh, many, many times we've spoken about it before. We will always look in hindsight and see uh, something that seemingly looked bad, looked terrible, happened to us, etc., etc., that it, in fact it was really something good and it either spurred, it, spurred us on or it saved us from something or whatever, some, something, uh, you know, better grew from it. And uh, this is a theme that we always pick up in the Tehillim, in the book of Tehillim, which is the book of Psalms that was penned primarily by King David, though he did cull from other authors like Moshe Rabbeinu, um, Moses, Moses, our teacher, and from Abraham and other people. We are currently studying chapter 119, the longest chapter in the book of Tehillim, and as explained now for many, many weeks, this chapter of Tehillim is divided up into verses that start with a particular letter of the Hebrew alphabet. We are now on the letter Kuf. The letter Kuf um, has a numerical value of 100. We're actually almost at the end. Today is Kuf. Then we've got Resh, Shin, and Taf. And uh, we are done um, studying it. It would have taken us the sum total of 22 weeks to go through this um, this chapter in particular. Now, as always, when we look at uh, the Tehillim, we go back to, to the Gomorrah in Shabbos, page 104a, Duff 104a, um, where the Talmud talks about each and every letter and what each and every letter stands for. Uh, last week, we were looking at the letter Tzadi, we were talking about the righteous person, the person that, that, that stands with righteousness. Today we are looking at the letter Kuf, which the Gomorrah teaches is the, le- the letter that stands for Kedusha, for sanctity. Now, very interestingly, it says that the letter Resh, which follows the Kuf, stands for the wicked. And so when we actually look at the, the physical a form of the letter, you'll see that the letter Kuf is looks like a resh, and then it's got a straight line down, and the letter resh is missing that straight line down. And so the Gemara asks, why is the foot on the right side of the Kuf suspended so there's a space above it to always teach that even if somebody comes to a point where they're considered a rusher, 
a wicked person. If he wishes to repent, if he wishes to turn to the right path, there is always an opening. There's always an opportunity available to him. And indeed, um, the symbolic lesson of the kuf comes to teach us um, it's, it's a Talmudic dictum that he who strives to repent will receive special divine assistance. Okay. Um, in Torah, we always have the ability to repent, to chazer bitshuva, to, to, to return in penitence. And what that really means is n- repentance is not really just, um, a, a, a modus operandi that we go to, but the recognition that we are inextricably connected to godliness. We are connected to God on a very, very essential level. We cannot divorce ourselves from him. We receive our life from him, and we have we are carrying within us a soul which the Hasidic masters call a chelik and a kai mimal mamish, a veritable part of godliness. God breathed into the human, but God gave um, humanity life, breath, we're carrying a, a piece of the energetic God within us and that we cannot, we cannot stifle. We cannot shut down. We cannot go to court and say, well, I'm divorcing myself from God. That we do consciously. That we do when we choose to, to behave in a different way. But even if we choose to behave differently, we cannot disconnect ourselves from God. It's similar really. Um, if we're looking for a practical application, it's very similar to the example of a mother and a child. A child can do what they want. They can never speak to their mother again. They could deny their mother's existence. They can, they can totally cut themselves off from their mother. But at the end of the day, your mother is your mother. You cannot go and say, well, I don't like this mother, and now this other person is my mother on an essential level. Yes, you can choose it on a practical level and say, I'm choosing not to recognize my mother as my mother, but another person is my mother. But on a real essential level, it is the woman who carried you. You are carrying her genes. You are very much part of um, who she is, and you can't go in no, – no court of law is, will ever allow you to divorce your mother, there actually is no concept in any any court of law, um, in any way whatsoever. So the same thing applies when it comes to the soul of a Jew. We are created and we, we gain life from that part of godliness that is within us. We may choose to ignore it. We may choose to deny it. We may choose to... to uh, to disagree with it, to, to not allow it to be part of our lives, but we are connected to it. And so when one turns away from that recognition that God gives us life, that God is um, our, our very existence, uh, we fall eventually into the term of Russia, a wicked person. A wicked person is a person who turns their back on the, on, 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 and, and denies the real existence of who, who, who they are. Conversely, on the other side, we have the Kedusha, we have the sanctity, we have the holiness, okay? We have a lot of words that come from the letter Kuf, Kiddush, Kedusha, Kadesh, 
All of them are to sanctify, to raise, and part of holiness, part of sanctity is actually setting apart and saying we're different and we belong to a different reality. And that reality is the recognition of God being part of our lives. And so the letter Kuf comes to teach us that even if one goes, God forbid, to the path of a Russia, of a wicked person, of completed denial, there is always the ability to climb back up, to come back and find oneself in a state of Kedusha, a state of understanding that we are vivified and, and, and given life by God and that we can live a sanctified life. We can live a life of purpose. We can live a life with with the right motivations and, the, and, and all the right stuff in it to make us now what we would consider a holy person. That is really um, what the, the kuf is all about. And the, the King David introduces the, the eight verses that all be, begin with the letter kuf with a most appropriate say, statement. He says, Karati b'cholev aneni Hashem, I called with all my heart, Meaning, I have, um, in order to sanctify myself, I've repented. Aneni, answer me, Hashem. It says that anybody who cries out to Hashem, and Hashem even says, open for me a, a, a pinhole, like just show that you want, and I will open up the world for you. I will actually um, respond to you. I will give you the attention because you have chosen to dedicate your full heart to 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 God. So back to the the, the first verse, Karati Bcholev Aneni Hashem, I called out with all my heart, answer me Hashem, Hukecha Etzora, I will cherish your statutes, meaning I have given you my mind as well as my heart. Because what will happen is that there will be questions from from scoffers about apparently irrational statutes and um, laws that nobody really understands. And what King David is saying here is that I cherish them. I cherish them. I cherish your Torah without reservation, even though many times, sometimes Torah looks to us as irrational. King David is saying over here, um, I am embracing it, and um, I cherish your statutes. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and uh, we are studying chapter 119 of the Book of Psalms, Tehillim. And of course, as always, I'm happy to answer any questions or any concerns, anything, any, any, any comments on on what I teach. The SMS number is three four five one nine. And you can WhatsApp as well on 061-895-1019. And if you want to speak in person, 010-140-3020. We're on to verse 146, which is the second of the eight verses that start with the letter Kuf, which reads as follows, Pretty straightforward. Karatecha hoshieni eshmera edvotecha. I have called with all my heart. Answer me, Hashem, for I am. I am keeping your testimonies. So we've got it. We've we've got it almost as, um, twice. Karatecha bechol lev. I have um, 
called out with all my heart, Aneni Hashem, answer me. Because I cherish your testimonies and then Keratecha Hoshieni, I have called you, please save me so that I can keep your testimonies. Basically, here King David is saying, I'm not concerned about my own welfare. I'm asking for salvation only so that I can keep your testimonies without interference from my enemies. Now, here's something interesting in verse 147. He writes, Kidamta banefesh va'ashavea lidvarcha yuchalti. I have arisen before dawn and I've cried out and I've hoped for your words. Now, the word neshef follows quite a few commentators on the Torah, the Ibn Ezra, the Radak, the Targum, and a nefesh, um, uh, uh, nesh, ne. Chef, sorry, Neshef, I, I, I arose before dawn. Um, all these commentators base themselves on the Talmud that says that Neshef literally means a time of transition. Literally when night changes into day at dawn or when day turns into night at the dusk. That's why we have um, in Mishle, in Proverbs, we have the word Benefesh Be'erev Yom, at dusk in the evening time. So what is King David saying here? He says that I, I exerted um, a lot of efforts to arise early so that I might be the first person to pray to you on this new day in order to pave the way for all other prayers which followed mine. And it was at that point in time that I implored you to accept the prayers of all men with kindness and with favor. So this is something that King David was very particular. He got up really, really early. And today we still see this amongst many communities that people will get up to Davin Nates at the Nates Minion. You'll hear that uh, figure of speech thrown out. That is literally at the very earliest opportunity that one can lay tefillin and one can say certain prayers, you will find a very, very devoted and devout group of men getting up um, and, and forming a minion at that point in time. And it's something really to be marveled at because we all know how, how, oh, how difficult it is to get out of bed in the morning and to remain motivated. And certainly when it is cold, when the weather is really uncomfortable, um, that actually puts a damper on any uh, good intentions and efforts to get to get out of bed early, but to, for many people it's a discipline that they embrace, and it's actually a a a, a well done, like a, a wow to those people who actually have the discipline to get up and to be at the Nate's minion at the minion at the crack of dawn where they are able. As King David says, to go out and cry out, and to hope for Hashem's words, meaning to hope for the assurance that we know, by the way, is recorded in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Torah. It's actually in Deuteronomy that we read the following words, for what nation is there so great that has God so near to them as Hashem our God, for in all things we can call upon him. Um, that is really the view of the Jewish people, that God is very, very close to us and he is accessible and we can call out to him. And if we are able to demonstrate 
the motivation and the ability to be close to Hashem, um, that is where you see it when a person does get up at Nates, at the crack of dawn, in order to to daven, in order to be connected to God, to ask God for their daily needs. He also goes and says the following, which is in the next verse, not only did he get up before dawn, and he cried out and hoped for Hashem's word. But the next verse, verse 148 reads, Kidmu enai ashmurot lasiach beimratecha. My eyes preceded the night watches so that I could discuss your words. Now, there are opinions as to how the night is divided. In the Gemara Brochas, um, there are opinions that the night is divided into three watches or three segments. Some other opinions hold that there are four segments, um, meaning let's just assume that the night is divided, starts at six at night and ends at six in the morning, just so that we have uh, clarity about the concept. We will either divide that 12-hour period um, by three, which means we will have from six to ten, ten to two, and then from two to six. Or there are other opinions that, in fact, it is four watches, which means of three hours each. So it would be six, nine, twelve, three, six. Uh, we're taught in the Gemara that during each of these watches, a different company of angels praises God. And so on earth, too, just like we have gods that change shift at specific periods during the night, there are some people that would take upon themselves to learn Torah at night and to pray at night. And we're told that um, King David fell into the opinion that the night was divided into three watches, into three segments. So it says that Melech David, King David, would awaken at the end of the first third of the night, before the latter two thirds of the night, and he would um, he, he he would learn Torah. Well, sorry, he would learn Torah until close to midnight, and then from midnight he would um, then he would sing praises and pray. And we are taught that many of the Tehillim that we actually read and which are incorporated into our uh, liturgy comes from those periods at night when David was awake and he was um, praising Hashem. We also know that um, the that midnight is a very appropriate time to um, connect to God in a very, very powerful way and there are there are and there have been many tzaddikim, many righteous people who would get up at midnight and would pray the prayer of tikkun chatzot which is the rectification of 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 the midnight okay um, and th- this is a set of prayers that is specific about the destruction of the temple because in the destruction of the temple what we what we have is the the veiling, the the concealment of godliness. And today's world is the way it is, is because we do not have the ability to perceive godliness in an, an, an easy and accessible manner. God is hidden. We need to go out to look for him. And uh, one of the most powerful prayers 
that one can recite is the prayer asking God to reveal himself once more to humanity in an open um, in an open manner because if we had that and everybody was able to perceive that godliness, we in fact would have a much, much better world. So going back to King David, he would study Torah um, until midnight and then he would change and he would um, he would sing praises and then he would pray. Uh, and again, just as we are praising the people who have the ability, who have the the motivation and the um, word, the word is not responsibility, but 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 have the ability, the 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 I've forgotten, I've lost I've lost the the word that I'm looking for, but the ability to get up um, early morning and get to the nates. So too, there are many righteous who purposely would make an effort to get up at a time which. For most people is suitable for sleep um, and they would work against the natural urge of the body to sink back into slumber um, and they would force themselves to connect to godliness. And that would remind them, remind them how frail the human body is, how man needs the, 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 needs assistance which only God can give them and Therefore, those people that get up to, to, to pray the Tikkun Chatzot, the, the midnight prayer, or th- this type of prayer is, is in a time that uh, one can utter prayers with absolute sincerity, with, a, with an absolute devotion, with an absolute ehrlichkeit, with, a, with, with, with an honesty um, and a, 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 a burning desire to be connected to God. Because you're going against the very needs of your body. Now, this concept can be quite strange to us in the in, in in the 21st century. Our our motivation and who we are and what we want is very much driven by the media out there, and the media dictates that we need to do absolutely everything to ensure that our body is made comfortable, that it receives everything that it needs to, and more. In fact, we probably bought a most times on, on, on indulgence rather than self-sacrifice. So when you hear about these type of rituals where people are getting up at the Nate's Minion, where people are getting up to say Tikkun Chatzot, they, they're either awakening themselves at 12 o'clock at night or they're awakening themselves at um, you know the, the wee hours of the morning in order to come and daven, the statement being made about these people is that they have the tenacity and the ability to to subjugate their bodies to to kind of like turn down the volume of what the body needs and a, a burning desire to turn up the volume of being connected to godliness and um, being connected to God who is the source of everything that we receive so it's it's quite an, an interesting um, idea. I think the entire Torah, you know, on, on, on a certain level is, is that as well, is that throughout life, in whatever we do and wherever we find ourselves, we will always have the struggle between what should I do to make myself more comfortable? What should I do to make myself gain more, feel better, f- you know, feel good? 
um, versus going out and extending yourself beyond yourself to do something which might not be comfortable, which not, might not be, you know, everything that you need, but rather what somebody else will need. And Torah demands that we actually turn it um, upside down. We turn it about face and we choose rather to go and try and do things that are selfless as opposed to selfish. Selfish kind of like almost falls into the category of Russia, of wicked, insofar as that we deny, we deny God's existence and we deny the need for us to be responsible, proactive human beings. It's just about me, myself, and I, and what is it that I can get out of a situation, what is it that I can get out of a relationship? Torah tells us to go beyond that. Um, um, for example, it is mandatory to give ten percent of your of your char- of of your earnings to charity. It's mandatory. Now, it's not just a nice thing to do. It's not just because you want to feel good about it. It's mandatory, and and many times it can be pretty difficult where whatever you come home with you have to give 10% away but what the Torah is teaching here is that one has to become selfless one has to start connecting to a reality that's much higher than yourself and you must be proactive in that relationship and so again here this is how we build up Kedusha this is how we build up holiness this is how we build up a connectedness to God um, to be like King David and like all those that preceded him and all those that have come after him, all those righteous people who are able to wake up in the middle of the night, wake up early at dawn and show that their priorities are their souls, not necessarily uh, their bodies. Then we go on further, um, verse 149 that reads, Hear my voice in accordance with your loving kindness, meaning treat me now with loving kindness as was your custom in the past. Hashem, preserve me in accordance with your judgment. We have spoken about this many, many times, and King David has verbalized it right throughout his Tehillim that God's judgments are true. They're correct. They're what they're, they are the, 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 the yardstick by which everything should be measured. Sometimes we, we, we act like little kids and we, 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 we metaphorically throw a tantrum at the, the, the punishment or the, 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 the negativity that comes our way insofar as Hashem is trying to teach us a lesson. Here King David is saying, Hashem mishpatecha chayeni, I live in accordance with your judgment because I know that your judgments are true, that what you want from me is correct. Similar to a kid should really, really, even though they'll throw a tantrum at the mom or the dad for not allowing them to do something, um, at the back of the mind the kid knows I am being disciplined this way because my parents know better. They want the best for me, and I should eventually I should acknowledge that um, they want the best and accept and be preserved, so to speak, by the judgment, as opposed to being um, 
as opposed to fighting it. You're listening to Robertson Edo Kazilski. Indeed, and we are going to be finishing up uh, the verses that start with the letter Kuf. Most of them are speaking, as you can see, about Kedusha, about holiness, about extending oneself beyond oneself, extending oneself beyond one's body, one's physical and natural instincts, and living just a little higher, just living above what the standard natural um, law of the world expects of us. Verse 150, King David says, Karvu rotfai zima, the pursuers of intrigue approach me, Torah techa rachaku, they are far from your Torah. So here he's talking about the wicked and how the wicked exert themselves um, in the pursuit of evil and how wicked people make every effort to achieve their sinful goals. And the closer they get to evil and the closer they, they, they get involved in crime, the further they are obviously drawing Away from the Torah to the point that mitoratecha rachaku, they are far from your Torah, and this is really what King David is observing: is that that life life is continuous, life is not stagnant. One cannot say that one remains in the same place. I'm happy where I am. I'm not going to the left. I'm not going to the right. I'm not going up. I'm not going down. This is who I am. Life is. Is movement life? Life is is is, uh, is it's it's not it's not a stagnant thing. It's vibrant. There's always movement, and the law of 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 movement states that you either go up or you come down. And so, for us to, in a sense, almost maintain status quo, one must always stick an effort. Because if one doesn't put an effort in Toro, if one doesn't put an effort. In their relationship with God, then it's a slip slidery downwards uh, uh, path in which King David says, You just get further and further away from God. So, either on a daily basis, you make it a priority that you are investing in your relationship with God, just like you are investing um, in a relationship, say, with your spouse. Let's take again the example of, of, of a spouse. One needs to nurture that God and one needs to water that God and one needs to put effort in because if one just leaves the status quo, it's a very quick and a very slip slidery um, situation downwards. Similarly, in our relationship with God, in our quest for Kadusha, for sanctity, for living just that little bit higher, one needs to put an effort and one needs to um, push oneself beyond the natural in order to achieve that. Otherwise, we will find ourselves, we will find ourselves quite distant um, from God. And so he flips it then the other way um, the next time round, and he says, Karov Ata Hashem, because you know, Hashem is nearby. And your commandments are true. Like one can make the choice, the choice. No matter how estranged someone is from God, the moment he decides to repent, God draws him near to him. You know, there's the famous story, and I don't know which Hasidic Rebbe it was. The name eludes me right now. But there was once a Rebbe sitting with a whole bunch of students round a table. 
And uh, they were talking about this concept about one having to put in effort and one having to move forward um, in order to get connected to God in order to, to the, and if you slip the, the, the other way, then, you know, um, one needs to, to change. So I think it was one of the students that asked the Rebbe this question, like, how can one, if one is so far away, how can one make amends? How can one turn around? How can one pull oneself back? What seemingly looks like an abyss. And the Rebbe asked the, the student, he said, stand up. And he told them to face a particular wall. Okay. No, apologies. Before he asked them to, to face the wall, he said to the student, tell me, how far is east from west? So the student thought about it and he said, it's infinitely far. Because in the more easterly you move, the further west becomes. And if you move in a westerly direction, the further away you are from the east. So the Rebbe said to him, stand up and face a particular wall, which he did, got up. And uh, the Rebbe said to him, which direction are you facing now? So he said, west. And then the Rebbe said to him, in this very same place that you're facing west, turn around 180 degrees. So the guy made an about turn, and obviously he was facing in the opposite direction. The Rebbe said to him, what are you facing now? He said east. He said that, that is the distance between east and west. It's a matter of standing in the same place and just turning around. Meaning that if one has gone down a slippery slide in one's relationship with God, if one feels estranged from God, the moment you decide to turn near to God, it's just a matter of turning your mind around, of turning your attitude around. And then you're facing in the complete opposite direction. And as I said, life is about movement. Life is about vibrancy. Life is about activity. And then you just start walking in the right direction. Karov Atah Hashem. Because Hashem is nearby. And if we want to be close to Hashem, then that is uh, as simple as that. You just need to turn around. We know that in addition to us making that decision to turn around, that Hashem is intimately enmeshed in the human affairs. We know that we, we believe in the concept of Hashkocha Pratis, of divine providence. And we know that God's providence and control over humanity is all persuasive, all pervasive. And... Um, as soon as one makes that decision to turn around, one gets connected to God and one is able to walk the right path. So it's a matter of turning from east to west. And then we come to the realization, that all your commandments are true, which means that even though God's presence is concealed, we are able to see the truth of his Torah and mitzvahs because they're revealed through actual Torah. All we need to do is to start learning Torah, and that's where the wicked fail. The wicked fail to recognize Hashem through the Torah. And then he finishes off, and he says the following, Kedem From the start I knew your testaments, Ki olam that you established them forever. 
the first thing that one knows is that God looked into Torah and created the world. It wasn't that God created the world and then he went, "Uh uh-uh, now I've got to give them a set of laws. I better, like, make up the Constitution. The Constitution was created before God created the world. So in that manner, we understand, we learn that everything that happens in this world can be found in Torah, that we can fall back on this book of divine wisdom and we will know what it is that, um, how to act. We will know what it is that we have to do. We, we'll just, we will know how to behave. There is not one question that one can ask won't have an answer in Torah. There'll be an answer for every single question in every single circumstance, in every era and period of life that we live in. And when King David is talking over here in his verses, he's saying, from the start I knew your testimonies. He's saying that he's almost as, he is one of those who received the Torah in the wilderness because there were many, many verses in the Torah that the Jews of the desert learnt that didn't apply to them yet, or the agricultural laws that applied to the land of Israel. They were wandering in the desert. There was also all the rules of uh, maestros, of tithes, the priests due, the first fruits, the bikurim, before the rules were absolutely applicable. And similarly, King David, when he before he became king, he was studying the laws of what it meant to appoint a king, what it meant to build the temple, long before he could actually physically discharge those duties. Um, because you established them forever, meaning that what God established is relevant and meaningful at all times. Torah is the blueprint for the entire creation, for every atom of the universe. Everything is established according to Torah values. And so one learns Torah. Sometimes we will look at it and say, how does that apply to me? That should be always the question that we ask, as opposed to these laws are no more applicable. Like I've, you know, I've got better ideas about things. Inside Torah is laws that apply to everybody at all times. And it is up to us. If we want to live a sanctified life, if we want to live a life of Kedusha, if we want to live just a little bit higher than we normally live, um, it is up to us to delve into the Torah. And that really sums up the letter Kuf. The letter Kuf tells us that we can rise above our natural instincts, that we need to do a turnaround. We need to choose to live a higher reality. And when we do that, we, in fact, are we're, we're living a sanctified life. We're living a life of purpose. We're living a life of meaning. We are living the life the way we should. If we don't make that conscious effort, then we will sadly slip slide that's, that down that scale to somewhere where we land up in a place of abyss of negation of God. And that's not something that any human being really deep inside of themselves really want. With that, I wish you a wonderful week, a productive week, and please God, I'll be back same time, same place.